The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. And welcome to Voices of Unity. This is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise to help you dive deep into spiritual topics so you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. I'm Ellen Debenport. I'm the host and kind of the MC for this show. I haven't given you my credentials in a while, so uh, I can just remind you I'm a Unity minister. I'm the author of two books, The Five Principles and Hell in the Hallway, Light at the Door. I served at two churches in Texas, and now I'm working at Unity World Headquarters, which is just outside Kansas City, Missouri, and home of the Unity Tower, where we are broadcasting. I'm in charge of the communications department, so I get to oversee many of the ways Unity shares its message with the world. Radio is just one of them. Magazines, books, booklets, websites, emails, social media, people all over the world are excited to learn about the ancient principles taught in Unity, as more and more of us describe ourselves as spiritual but not religious. Which kind of brings us to today's new series. Our guests for Voices of Unity are sometimes Unity ministers, other new thought leaders who can share something special they've learned. They have a body of work. So they're not just one-time guests. They stay for four or six or eight weeks so we can truly explore their areas of expertise. Sometimes they talk about Unity teaching specifically, and sometimes it's more general spiritual practice. So we're starting a new series today, a four-week series, with our guest, Ben Jamison. We are together in the Unity Tower. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Alan. It's truly a delight to be here in the Tower today. We're here because Ben has written a book called Church-Free Spirituality, which the book is well-written and it's interesting, but you got the best title ever. (laughs) Because doesn't that speak to exactly where a lot of us are? We say we're spiritual but not religious. We don't maybe don't want to go to church so much. But what do you do? If, you, if you're claiming to be spiritual but not religious, what do you do? I think for a lot of people it, it kind of means not much. You Maybe you still believe in God, but you're not really doing much with it. And So we have lots of time to talk to Ben about that. But first, I want to ask you who you are because you are – This is my take on it. Mm -hmm. You are really well known in Unity Circles and Centers for Spiritual Living, the science of mind side of new thought, and you are not a minister, which I find very refreshing. So... (laughs) So who are you? Sure. So uh, I'm Ben Jamison. I was actually raised in the Unity Movement. Uh, My family moved to Lee Summit, Missouri when I was about three years old, specifically because of Unity. And I like to say that uh, that Unity saved my life because before my parents found Unity, my dad had 40 acres of wilderness uh, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and was planning on getting away from society to do his own thing. And then friends said, hey... 
We just went to this retreat at Unity, and it's what you've been talking about all this time. You should go check it out. So thank you, Unity, for not having me live in the backwoods of Michigan. Um, <laughs> so I started in Unity as a very young kid, and I loved it. I loved running around here, learning about new thought, learning about this wonderful brand of spirituality that is really connected and opening. Um, but here we are in the Midwest, right, which is very Bible Belt in a lot of ways. And so as a young person who didn't know any better, I would talk about these ideas with other kids and receive back what a more fundamentalist viewpoint would say mm-hmm. about the things that unity teaches. And so as a six to eight-year-old, what do you do with all of that negativity being put on you and you don't know how to deal with it? So what I did was I said, all of this is bunk. I don't want anything to do with any of it anymore. And I threw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. Spent many, many years not having anything to do with spirituality at all, even though it was always back there, right? Always in the back of my head. Um, When life was truly not working and out of desperation, my last resort was to go back to spirituality. I was walking distance from a Centers for Spiritual Living Church. Um, So I didn't choose to switch to CSL over Unity or switch back to Unity from CSL. (laughs) It just happened to be convenience, right? Mm -hmm. So I walked in and the minister said, you know, if you want your life to change, take a class. So I took a class. It was a two-week class, and uh, life got better. And so I just took the next class in front of me and the next class and the next class, and before I knew it, I was in their practitioner training, which is like a licensed Unity teacher. Before I knew it, I was sitting for panels, I was taking oral examinations, and I was a licensed practitioner. And then finding myself wanting to do the next thing at the University of Santa Monica studying spiritual psychology, right? So it just was a matter of all of these different steps just showing up in front of me and me taking the step because it was the next thing to do, not necessarily anything that I was seeking or intending to create. It was just what was right in front of me to do. So that's how I got involved with Centers for Spiritual Living. Uh, When my wife and I moved back to Kansas City, uh, we were living in Southern California at the time, Uh, we moved back here and we church hopped and uh, for whatever reason, Unity Village Chapel was the right fit and so we came back to participating at Unity. Um, Now I'm about to split my time between Unity Village Chapel and CSLKC. My practitioner's license needed to be transferred to a Centers for Spiritual Living Center, so I'm going to be with feet in both worlds again, which is delightful. Um, And even though you found it very refreshing that I am not a minister, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I have just completed the education in the Divine Science Organization uh, for their ministerial training. So sometime within the next year, that ordination will happen, and I will officially be an ordained minister. Interesting. So this this may be a little bit of a tangent uh, before we get to your book, Mm -hmm. but since you are uniquely qualified to explain this, Mm -hmm. how would you describe the differences in unity and centers for spiritual living and divine science. So I would say, yeah. All new thought, right? All new thought. Um, I I like, uh, I think I heard Temple Hayes say this, new thought, no difference. Um, So the differences are very, very small. Mm -hmm. I would say that unity has more of a focus on the Christ than CSL does or than um, divine science does. The Christ, the 12 powers of Christ, these are very intense focuses here in unity. There also tends to be a little bit more of a feeling tone around what unity talks about the divine within you mm-hmm. mean. yeah okay. centers for spiritual living tends to be a little more mechanical it is uh, unity is like here's the feel of what you want to do csl is here are the steps on how to do it mm-hmm. 
So they have a lot more practical step-by-step, here's the mechanics if you want to practice. Um, And then Divine Science, um, their primary focus is on the omnipresence of spirit. So they, if they're going to focus on one thing, it's that God is all there is, God is everywhere present. Now, what does that mean about the situation or the circumstance that you find yourself in? And how do you relate to it differently when you really put your attention on God is present right here, right now, period? Interesting. Okay, so we talk about all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of emphasis. Right, right. Okay, good to know. And I assume, or I'll ask you, do they all use pretty much the same spiritual practices? Mm-hmm. Prayer, meditation, Oh yeah, all the things we're familiar with. And we'll be talking about a lot of those in some depth in this series. Yes. But Church Free Spirituality is a book that came out when? came out in November of last year. And you have just won an award. You were an award finalist. Yes. For from the American Book Fest mm-hmm. for the 2018 Best Book Awards uh, in the Spirituality General category. I was a finalist in that. So, um, congratulations. Thank you. There were over 2000 submissions um, in all of the different categories, uh, and being a finalist puts me in um, more than the top 25% of those submissions. So, they didn't give you an exact percentage, but uh, <laughs> I am at least in the top 25% of every single person who submitted. Um, so, it's a, it's a wonderful honor to to have that recognition for for this book. That's great. Yeah. So how did this book come about? So it came about uh, in a couple of ways, and one of them you kind of already mentioned. Um, as you were talking earlier, you said how you know so many people call themselves spiritual but not religious, but what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. What do you really do with that? So that was one of the inspirations for the book. Uh, the other primary inspiration was really my experience of coming back to my spiritual practice. So I was, I was lucky. I walked into this spiritual center um, that was close to my house. I actually, I went there once. I was uh, at a very low point. I wanted to win the lottery so I could convince somebody to pretend to love me for my money because I thought that's all I deserved. So I I went to this church and in the community time afterwards, I was standing in the darkest corner of the basement where the community gathered, hoping somebody would say hello. And nobody did. And nobody did. And I saw one person walking towards me and I said, all right, if they don't stop and say hello, I'm out of here and I'm never coming back. And they walked right past me. About 10 feet away, they stopped, paused for about half a second, turned around, came back and said hello. And so I knew I could come back one more time, right? If she hadn't done that, what would I have done? If I didn't have a spiritual center that I could feel supported and loved and connected with, where I could learn these tools, what would I have needed instead? That was the question that really inspired me to write this book. And so the subtitle, How to Craft a Spiritual Practice Beyond the Bounds of Religion, is all about how we can, we can take these ideas and really craft something that works for us because it's created by us, regardless of what anybody else says. Um, so it's, it's the book that I would have wanted had I not found a spiritual center. Because you're not anti-church at all. No, not at all. You're there every week. I am, yes. <laughs> one place or another. Yes. Yeah, I'm not anti-church at all. So that's that's a very good point. This is not one of those books that is spirituality versus religion or anti-church in any way. Right. It's just about taking this idea of spirituality and unlimiting it. 
So often we have this idea that spirituality is relegated to a church and to a specific religion and that they have the uh, – they've got the lockbox on it, right? That these are the sets of practices you can do and that's it. So this is about opening that up and realizing that we can pull practices from anywhere, any faith. Um, we can even create our own spiritual practices. The point is whether or not they work for us and they connect us with what we feel spirit is and how we can feel engaged and connected and empowered by that. Yeah. If you're listening to us live on November 20th, remember you can call in and join this conversation. The number is 816-251-3555. We love callers. If you have a question or a comment or you just know what it is to be spiritual but not religious, you would fit right in. So give us a call. Okay, so I think we've set it up. Mm-hmm. You're spiritual but not religious, so what do you do about that? What do you do about that? Well, the first thing that I think you do about that is you really look at um, you look at what religion and spirituality means to you. One of the best quotes – there are so many best quotes. <laughs> One of the best quotes by a spiritual but not religious person um, who I'm assuming he may have described himself that way, Einstein. Mm-hmm. Um, very scientific, right? Yet you can find a whole lot of spiritual wisdom in what he says. Yes. And one of the things that he says is the most important decision we can make is whether or not we live in a friendly universe. So when we're looking at this idea of spiritual but not religious, um, one of the best places to start is how we relate to these terms that are typically religious in our society and that are so prevalent, but that have to come in in one way or another to our spiritual practice. You can't really have a spiritual practice without the word spiritual, right? And you can't really get into these ideas without running up against traditional religious terminology. Uh, Spirit is synonymous with God, right? So you're going to come up against this word God. Anytime you talk about spirituality, particularly in the United States, you're probably going to come up against the name Jesus and have to deal with that name and what it means to you. So one of the best places to start, I find, and what what my work was initially, is really looking at what those terms are and redefining those for yourself in a way that is more open and inspiring to you. Um, I, I find a lot of the times that So many of us in New Thought have come out of a different spiritual practice, a different religion, um, and have come out of that because in one way or another we have felt harmed by it. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, even though I didn't grow up in a traditional fundamentalist spiritual practice, I grew up all around it. And so I was impacted by it nonetheless. Just from the culture. Just from the culture and even race consciousness, right? Like the ideas of traditional religion are so embedded in race consciousness which we're all a part of, we're all connected to. Because you mean the human race. The human race, yeah. So if we're not aware of what we're doing, if we're not aware of how we're relating to these ideas, we're going to default to what is most common in the human race consciousness. And that can really undermine our spiritual growth. So I, I think a great starting place is really looking at those things, finding out where do I have allergies to words or to symbols? <laughs> and then how can I, how can I heal those allergies? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the uh, – a great example of this is, uh, is the cross, the symbol of the cross. Oh, gosh, yes. So when I was going through my spiritual healing, which, by the way, to those of you starting a spiritual practice is ongoing. It never ends. You are constantly healing to a new level, which is wonderful. Uh, it's a never-ending journey of growth and expansion. But uh, my commute took me over the hill in L.A. right past a giant cross. 
And so for many years in my life, that symbol for me was a negative symbol. It represented all of the negativity that was directed at me as a kid from the fundamentalist religions all around me. So if I review, if I view that symbol in a negative light and I drive past it on my way to work every single day, I'm starting my day out in this negative experience, right? So one day in, in my spiritual center, I heard a new way of looking at it. If you look at the cross as a roadmap for spiritual growth, You've got the upright piece, which is the direction of growth coming up. You've got the cross beam, which is positive and negative ideas of right and wrong, the field of polarity, where we find ourselves right now. And if you nail yourself to these ideas of good and bad, right and wrong, you're going to get stuck, right? But if we stay in that middle course way, if we don't necessarily get stuck in good and bad and right and wrong, then our way up, our ascension through this field of polarity becomes easier and more graceful. So instead of look at all the terrible things that religion has done to people all throughout time and to me personally and err, it's a no, no, just remember while you're stuck in traffic in Los Angeles, don't get into right and wrong, good and bad. Just stay centered and find the peace that's right in the center of your being and allow that to carry you through the traffic and whatever else is happening. Yeah. So here's my cross story. Mm-hmm. At my first church as a minister was Unity of Dallas, and on the wall behind the platform was this enormous cross. It was beautiful. It had been made for that church. It was unique. It was installed there by their um, founding minister, Dr. Donald Curtis. And so there were people in the church who loved it because Donald Curtis had explained to them that metaphysical meaning of the cross. And so that's what they thought of when they saw it. Mm-hmm. But people just walking in for the first time just projected whatever they were carrying onto that cross. And some came in and said, oh, there's a cross. Maybe this place is not so weird after all. And others came in and said, oh, there's a cross. This place isn't going to be any different. And it was just interesting. Uh, And those were only the stories I heard from people who stayed. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was – it meant something to everyone. It, it, it was like a Rorschach test, mm-hmm. <laughs> just projecting their home movies onto, onto that symbol. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Symbols are never the thing. They symbolize the thing. They're mm-hmm. not that thing. And we often forget that we get to determine what symbols mean for us. And if we just allow society to tell us what symbols mean, then that really cuts off the experience that we are able to have. So with this idea of church free, it's like that symbol of the cross. What do you want it to mean for you? Mm. If, if what I described works, great, take it. If it doesn't work and you want to spend some time with that symbol to find a way to redefine it so that it actually helps you, then do that because odds are you're going to see that symbol a lot, particularly if you live in the United States, right? You're going to run into it. So better to work with that symbol in a way that works for you so that it inspires you rather than puts you off base, off center. And words are symbols too. Jesus, is a, that word is a symbol. Heaven, hell, God, universe, spirit, whatever it is, all of these words simply symbolize a thing. They are not the thing. And it's so easy to forget that. But when we come back into that recognition that the word is just the symbol and we get to choose what it means because we are the only authority in our consciousness, right? Nobody else can determine what things mean for us unless we, unless we abdicate that responsibility, um, then it's up to us to really determine what those words mean. And when we get rid of our allergies to these spiritual terms 
everything gets easier. Everything settles down a little bit more. And we've got a whole new arena of experience that we can engage with. This comes up a lot, as you might imagine, in my department, the communications department, because we're publishing Mm -hmm. Daily Word and Unity Magazine, and it's all about words. James Dillard Freeman said, unity is words that change lives, Mm. which I love. And there are a lot of allergies out there to different words. And so for some, it's not meaningful unless we use the word God, and for others, that's what turns them off. Mm And it's hard not to get into a lot of discussions guessing how people will react and trying to find synonyms that they will tolerate, divine, spirit, infinite, you know, what? how else can we say this? And then the more traditional people get confused by that. And do you have any answers for this? <laughs> you know, my my typical route around that is to explain probably too much. Um, so I, you know, I like to, in my writing, I will often have God slash spirit slash the universe slash whatever, mm-hmm. you know, just as a way to say, pick the term that works for you. Um, so I think, you know, it's an education piece um, in, in just letting people know that they can translate on the fly. They can substitute words that work for them. I think another piece of it, too, is being really conscious around what we mean behind the words that we use. Um, you know, intention can be very subtle, but it can also convey meaning. So if our intention is clear that when we are using the word God, what we mean is this infinite loving presence that is open and accessible to all people, then having that clear intention behind it, um, I think the word can be received differently than if our intention is God, old man in the sky who will judge you or whatever that is. Um, so, yeah, it really it really is a tough thing. And it's one of those things about new thought is that new thought is not a spiritual practice that lets you just sit back and allow everybody to do it for you. You've got to be really <laughs> active and engaged in determining what words mean for you, in being willing to let go of those judgments, in being willing to uncover what those judgments are to begin with. That took me a long time. Mm-hmm. If I'd had your book, it might have been quicker um, <laughs> because, like you, I threw the baby out with the bathwater. I just – I don't want any of this. I don't want the Bible. I don't want I, – I didn't stop believing in God per se. I was still picturing a God out there. Mm-hmm. But I certainly didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And that went on for 20 years. And I, I guess I think in hindsight that the allergy – to certain words and ideas helped me clear some of my embedded theology. Mm. And by that we mean whatever you grew up with, which might have been in a church, might have just been on the playground. But we all get ideas about what God is, who we are in relation to that, and we carry it around with us whether we're conscious of it or not. And in this culture, it is mostly God is out there watching you, Uh, judging you, at least to some degree, and deciding to reward or punish you. It's really basic Old Testament God, Mm -hmm. but that's what seems to resonate in our culture. Yeah, and it can be so easy to use this idea of an allergy to words as a bad thing, right? Like, I've got this allergy, it's bad, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to look at it. 
But it's actually a good thing. Like you said, if you take that and you say, why am I so uncomfortable about this word? Mm -hmm. And you're willing to sit down and explore it and look at what comes up for you. That's going to be what tells you what your work is. And if something comes up for you, oh, what do I not like about this word? Why do I always cringe when I hear the word God? Well, it's it's because of this idea of this old man up in the sky who's going to judge me. And I just don't like that experience. Okay, well, what do you believe about God? Instead of what everybody else says about God, what do you believe about God? I believe God is unconditional love, omnipotence, um, omnipresence, and omniscience. All-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, unconditional love. Okay, if that's what I believe about God, then how does this idea that I'm reacting to negatively align with what I say I believe about God? Well, if it doesn't, then we know we can forgive those misperceptions about God and really turn back and focus on what it means for us. So it's great to have these these uncomfortable experiences, which so often we want to avoid, right? Those are where the rubber meets the road. If we're willing to sit in the discomfort and take the deep cut, what am I thinking about when I hear this word? Where is this negative feeling coming from? It's going to tell us exactly what our forgiveness is. It's going to show us where our judgments are. And that's a blessing. It really is a blessing when we, when we have an empowering spiritual practice that we can engage with to help work through those things. I also had to get over my judgments of the people who believe what I used to believe. Mm. Um, and actually a God out there who is watching and judging and uh, directing events works for millions and millions of people and enhances their ideas of spirituality, which is what I would want for everyone, that they find a path that works for them. Absolutely. And that's why I'm so careful to not do the spirituality versus religion thing, mm-hmm. because if there was not a purpose for the different religions that are on the planet, there wouldn't be people who participate in them. But people participate in them. People are benefited by them. It's like uh, the there was a great symbol that I was uh, given recently, an expanded symbol, you know, the idea of a wheel. Right. And that the spokes are each spoke is a different path to God. You know, the hub is God and each spoke is a different path. So why does it matter what path works for one person and what path works for another? They're all going to the same place. The expansion of the symbol is if you go out to the wheel where all of the paths go into God, there is no separation on that wheel. The wheel is a ring. It is no start, no end. There is no separation between you or me or the Christian or the Muslim or the Jew or whoever is practicing that particular path to God. We're all connected on the spokes, on the rim, and in the hub. I like that. A ring of oneness Mm -hmm. around all of these paths to God in the center. Yeah. That's great. So this is Ben Jameson. He's written a book called Church Free Spirituality. We are going to take a break, and then we'll be back with more from Ben, and I'll get him to tell you where you can find out more about him, too. This is Ellen Debenport with Voices of Unity, and we'll be back in just a bit. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Blair Tabor from Unity San Diego, taken from a talk called Sacred Service, The Ultimate Spiritual Growth. Who we are and who we perceive ourselves to be as human beings is just such a small part of who we are as spiritual beings. Remember the phrase that I like, you know, Emily Cady says, God did not make you to be spiritual pygmies, but spiritual giants. You know, and do we live as if we're spiritual giants? No, we don't. We live, we live as if we're you know, weak human beings. You know, we're spiritual giants. We need to live that way in our lives. So we have to let go of the ego. It's a challenge because we spent so much energy and focus on, on our ego on dressing a certain way and talking a certain way and looking a certain way and, and aligning ourselves in certain ways to, to uphold that ego identity. But as we're willing to let that go, let it be permeable to spirit, then what we find is we're connected to that infinite oneness that is God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Devonport. We are back with Voices of Unity. We would still love for you to call us. We are live on November 20th from the tower at Unity Village. So if you're listening live, it's in the middle of the day here in Central Time, give us a call, 816-251-3555. I am here with Ben Jamison. We're talking about his book, Church-Free Spirituality. But Ben, I know people would love to know more about you. How can they find you online? 
Absolutely. So you can find me online at benjamison.com. Unfortunately, that's not like the whiskey. I am not an inheritor of whiskey wealth from Ireland. It's J A M I S O N. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> so benjamison.com. Uh, there you can find not only how to get my book uh, or book me for a speaking engagement. I do travel and speak to new thought centers all over the country. Um, but you can also find my church free spirituality video series there. Every week I put out a new video between three and seven minutes when I'm behaving myself and not talking too much um, on a, sp- uh, a spiritual topic, on an idea, on something that's going on in my life and how I'm relating to it from a spiritual context. Just a little way to, to connect with a spiritual practice um, beyond the bounds of religion and without a church on a regular basis. So you can find that there as well. Now, that's the main way Great. to connect with me. Yeah, A weekly video. That's mm-hmm. like a blog, but on camera. Yes. I'm, th- I'm just thinking of the discipline that takes. Well, the good thing about that is that you can record many at a time. So the oh. thing that I have not gotten good about yet is changing my shirts when I record three <laughs> or four videos in a row. So it looks like I'm wearing the same thing each week because mm-hmm. I am. Because <laughs> you are. Okay. All right. BenJamison.com. So we've been talking about church-free spirituality. Let me ask you this. Do you think that we all have to get over whatever religion or spirituality we were exposed to in childhood? I mean, I've heard about people who grew up Methodist and stay Methodist the rest of their lives. And part of me is kind of envious Mm -hmm. that the same system keeps working for them, although they may begin to see it differently. Should we just expect to keep changing the way we believe? Interesting. That's a very interesting question. And I would... uh, uh... So growing up in New Thought, and when people find out that I grew up in New Thought, people in New Thought say, oh, my God, that must have been so wonderful. You didn't have to deal with any of the stuff that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. I had to deal with that, too. My wife, who grew up in Self-Realization Fellowship, she would hear people say, oh, it must be so great that you grew up in this path and didn't have to deal with all of the negative stuff around religion. She had her stuff. So the thing is, our spiritual curriculum is our spiritual curriculum. It doesn't matter what philosophy we grow up in. If we find ourselves in a philosophy that is right and perfect for us and we stay there for the rest of our lives, great. But we have to be willing to look at what our experience is and if that experience isn't working for us anymore, take the steps to find something new. So I don't think we have to get over the religion we grew up with. Um, I think ideally, whatever that religion is, there is limitless depth there. So you can start with Catholicism, for example, at the level you are. And as you continue to practice and explore, get deeper and deeper into that. And it will be it will become a new religion for you repeatedly as you learn more. Mm-hmm. Um, If that doesn't work for you, then it's about having the wherewithal to go out and find something new. Because ultimately, you know, and this has happened to friends of mine, if we are unwilling to let go of the things that don't work for us, at some point they will be forcibly removed. And that can be a lot less comfortable and a lot less easy. Mm -hmm. So uh, this, this friend of mine 
in a more traditional religion, um, was starting to see some discrepancies and started asking questions that were not appreciated. And uh, he, But he was very committed to this community and continued to ask the questions and refused to let go of this community that didn't work for him anymore until they kicked him out. So much more difficult of an experience to have your spiritual community say, you're not welcome here anymore, Gosh. than to recognize, you know, this this isn't working for me. I think I need to let this go on my own, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it's about being aware of, of where we are. You know, our bodies are phenomenally precise instruments. When we learn to pay attention to the information they're giving us, like how we feel, how, how we feel when we go to a certain place, um, whatever it might be. So, no, I don't think that we have to expect to get over the religion that we were born with um, for people who find one and stick with one and love it that's great um you know i am i am in my own spiritual deconstruction at the moment right now as well again you know it's a wonderful thing to realize that the way that i've related to god up until now these last 15 years since i really re-engaged with my spiritual practice worked really really well for me i was really successful with it it's not working so good for me anymore I'm finding myself dropping into anthropomorphic views of God again and having real difficulty in how I relate to that. So I've got to let go once again of my understanding. I've got to dismantle my structure of knowing. I love that phrase. I think it's a Maria Namath phrase from her coaching practice. Dismantle the structure of knowing that I have so that I can build a more inspiring and connected structure of knowing right now. So it's a never-ending journey, and that's what I love so much about it. Yeah. And it'll keep you writing books, I expect. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll talk about the next one if we get a chance. But on, on the one we're basing this series on, Church-Free yes. Spirituality, it's a great title and a huge topic. So how did you even get your arms around it? The book is in sections. Yes. Now how did you decide how to do that? So with it being uh, focused on people who are trying to uh, establish a spiritual practice to begin with, um, or deepen a spiritual practice they already have, but that main focus of what would I have needed um, if I didn't find a spiritual center that would work for me, that divided the book up into sections really easily. The first Mm. section looking at, you know, what is a spiritual practice? Why do we have a spiritual practice? How can we redefine these terms? You know, what are the foundational Place, uh, pieces that we need to have in place before we start digging into what spiritual practices are and how to practice them. Um, looking at what consciousness is. Uh, I knew thought we love to talk about consciousness. We don't often like to define it. Um, so we've got to get in there and really figure out what is this thing called consciousness. So we look at things like that in the first section of the book. Okay, now you opened the door. Uh, how do you uh, define consciousness? So uh, very simple in words, but very big in concept. The sum total of everything you have ever said, thought, felt, or done Mm -hmm. creates your consciousness. Whether you're aware of it or not. Whether you're aware of it or not. And so for those of us who like the idea of reincarnation, it's the sum total of everything you have ever said, thought, felt, or done from this or any other incarnation. All going into this consciousness bucket, which creates the lens through which we experience the world around us. Very simple definition, but pretty deep, right? Good news is we 
constantly put stuff in our consciousness bucket. And so if we put a lot of things in our consciousness bucket that are loving and joyful, then that lens through which we see the world is going to become more loving and joyful. And that's going to shift our experience. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the basics of how I define consciousness. So is that first section about define your terms? Uh, that's one of the chapters in there is defining um, church terms into a more spiritual context. We also look at what uh, what the the process of a spiritual seeker is like. What's this cycle? How do we go from, you know, we have whatever the status quo is, what seems to be working for us, and then it starts to not work for us a little bit anymore. Then we've got to let it go or it's going to be taken away from us, like I, like I talked about mm -hmm. before. Then it's that seeking phase of what is it that's going to work for me now? How am I going to find the new next thing that's going to help me continue to grow and then coming back again to this status quo to that new thing being the practice that's working for you knowing that at some point it's going to have to be let go of again so that it can be up leveled it's like the um upward forward progressive spiral we talk about life in that way so you're going to come back around to the exact same place over and over again but at a higher point on the spiral so it might look like the same thing but it's from a whole new level of consciousness a whole different experience mm -hmm. so we look at okay. that we look at um at redefining old church terms we look at exploring the similarities and distinctions between religion and spirituality because in order to really for those of us who have been damaged by religion in order to really engage in a spiritual practice we've got to have some way of letting go of some of that angst and anger that we're carrying around and so exploring the two and seeing how look the the intention behind like you mentioned earlier a God that is outside of yourself and that is constantly watching and judging. The benefit of that is that it makes it easy for you to focus, for some people, to focus on staying in what they consider the right path, the good way to be, right? For the people who that works for, it's incredibly beneficial. So when we look at those similarities and distinctions, we can see really uh, how we can let go of some of our animosity around religion and also look at, okay, what is really the difference between a religious practice and a spiritual practice um, to just help get clear on that. So that's the first section of the book. Second section, we look at nine different spiritual practices. Wait, what is the difference in a religious practice and a spiritual practice? Well, there are many. Prayer, I mean, prayer could be either, right? Prayer could be either. So um, spiritually speaking, generally from the new thought perspective, prayer is affirmative. Mm -hmm. In a religious context, prayer tends to be more in supplication. So it's a prayer of, please, God, do this for me, as opposed to uh, a prayer that affirms the answer in the prayer itself. That is not a prayer of, I am missing and am in lack and in want, and will you please fill this need, but rather the need is already met. Um, religion tends to be more dogmatic, right? There are these limited spiritual practices that you have to practice to be a Catholic, that you have to practice to be a Muslim. Now, in a spiritual context, there is no limit to what the spiritual practice is. The benefit of having a very defined set of spiritual practices is that you can focus in on those things and get really good at it. It's like if a martial artist were to study six different methods of martial arts, one each for a year, at the end of six years, they're not going to know very much about any one thing. Whereas if they spend six years focusing on one, they're going to get really far in that thing, right? So for people who want this predefined set of here are my practices, here's my marching orders, here's where I focus, great, super beneficial. 
for people who say, I need more freedom, I need to pick and choose and pull from a bunch of different religions, that doesn't work. It's not that that's bad. That just doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. For some people, it does. Mm -hmm. So that's another distinction between religion and spirituality, the dogmatic, restrictive approach versus the open, pull-whatever-you-want approach, neither one being good, bad, right, wrong, or otherwise. When I was new in Unity, I, I kept asking for a recipe. Mm -hmm. Just tell me what to do because I was coming out of a church with that mentality. And it took a long time to realize they weren't going to answer that question. <laughs> I was going to have to just devise my own brand of spirituality. Yep. So go ahead. I think now, I interrupted you. Second section, we look at um, not only what is a spiritual practice, but then we look at nine different spiritual practices, how to practice them, what they do for you. Um, again, not the only way to practice them, but one way to practice them. Ultimately, one of the things that I love about New Thought, and it's why we have to find our own path, is that in New Thought, demonstration is the highest authority. That's a Centers for Spiritual Living quote from Ernest Holmes. So what that means is if it shows up as working for you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about whether or not it works. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, then thousands of people can tell you this is the best way. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't matter because it doesn't show up as working. Um, so uh, so we look at that. If, if there's one technique of meditation that everybody is telling you to do and it doesn't work for you, then we try a different technique of meditation. So all of the ways that I talk about doing these different spiritual practices are just the starting point. They're just one thing to try. And mm -hmm. if it works for you, great, adopt it. If it doesn't, have the wit to let go of the pieces that don't and bring in pieces that do. Um, so we look at those nine different spiritual practices in the second section. Um, and then the third section is just really going into some important final thoughts. We look at authority versus responsibility, some of the pitfalls like metaphysical guilt, um, spiritual bypass, things of that nature, which tend to come up in spiritual communities. Um, we look at community because, once again, the title Church-Free Spirituality can make you think like you're on your own, mm -hmm, like there right. is nobody else with you in this practice. Right. But a spiritual community is something that can be really important and vital to that spiritual practice. Now, we unlimit what that means in the book. Spiritual community does not necessarily mean a church. And when we're talking about things like unity and CSL and these new thought communities that function like churches, but maybe don't necessarily have some of the hallmarks of typical churches, that can be a good transition. Um, but you can also find spiritual community in the comments section on Unity Online Radio. Have conversations there, we right? We want that to be That a becomes a spiritual community. Mm -hmm. You can create a book club. That can be a spiritual community. If you find cooking to be a meditative practice, because, friends, anything can be a meditative practice if it gets you to that single-pointed focus, right? Mm -hmm. If it gets you centered and calm and peaceful, then start a cooking club, and that becomes a spiritual community for you. And so the that middle section with the practices yes. is mostly what we'll be talking about in these next few weeks. Absolutely, yeah. So we'll get really deep into things like affirmative prayer that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Compassion, uh, forgiveness. We love, everybody loves to say you should forgive. Oh, you just need to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people love to talk no. about what forgiveness is or how to do it. No. <laughs> and metaphysical guilt, is that when you say, how did I create this? Right. You beat yourself up for right. what you created. Yep. My thoughts have been negative. Yeah, okay. Good. I, I, I had a sore throat the other day. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to go on Ellen's radio show and talk about teaching spirituality, and here I am with a sore throat. If I'm not good enough at this to not even avoid a sore throat, who am I to be talking about this stuff? Yes. Good example. Metaphysical guilt. Metaphysical malpractice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to dive into those practices right now, this week, except we thought we might talk a little about gratitude. Yeah. This being Thanksgiving week, as we are live. Is it a spiritual practice? I believe it is, absolutely. So it depends on how you look at it. Now, a lot of people fall into gratitude once a year on Thanksgiving, or they feel grateful only when circumstances align such that they allow themselves to feel grateful. So we have that that big term of consciousness, right? Our consciousness bucket. Within that consciousness bucket are the things that we subconsciously say have to be in place in order for us to feel grateful. Mm -hmm. And if those things don't come about, then we don't feel grateful, right? So that's the default non-spiritual practice of gratitude. Gratitude as a spiritual practice comes in when we say, how can I generate the feelings of gratitude within myself? Gratitude is not something that just happens upon me when circumstances are right. Gratitude is something that I generate. It's something actually that if we look at uh, the spiritual understanding of spirit, of the universe, of God, again, whatever term you like, that being the only thing there is, well, if God is all there is, then that has to be what I am. And then we look at these eternal verities of God, the things about God that are true always and forever. God is gratitude. Gratitude is aligned with what we say God is. Well, if God is gratitude and God is all there is, so God is who and what I am, then gratitude is what I am. It's not just something that happens upon me. It's something that I am and that I generate and that I create in my experience. So when we have an active practice around feeling grateful, around creating those feelings within ourselves for the purpose of connecting deeper with our spiritual nature, then it becomes a spiritual practice. You talked about generating gratitude. Mm-hmm. Say some more about that. How do you do that? Because I'm thinking if I'm in what I label a bad situation and Mm -hmm. I'm feeling terrible Mm -hmm. and I sit there and think, okay, what can I be grateful for? It could be a spiritual bypass, which you mentioned earlier. It could be. So it it depends on how you do it. If you're just saying – Oh, I'm, I'm completely ignoring this thing that I feel bad about because I'm supposed to be spiritual and spiritual people feel grateful, so I'm not going to look at this. Mm -hmm. That's spiritual bypass. Okay. If you say – I've got this really difficult thing and I'm having a really hard time dealing with it and I recognize that I'm not in the right frame of mind to deal with it. So I'm going to put a pin in it for now. I know it's there. I'm going to come back to it. But I need to shift my experience so that I can be more effective in, in focusing on this, this situation at hand. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to put it on the shelf for a second and I'm going to go write a thank you letter to somebody. Right. That's a way that we can generate the feelings of gratitude within ourselves. And thank you notes are so rare these days. Handwritten thank you card put in the mail. It does so much for us to sit down and write that thank you note. It does so much for people who receive the thank you note. And so in that, in that regard, we go do that spiritual practice. We start feeling grateful. We start feeling more centered. We start feeling more empowered. Now when we go back and consciously engage with that difficult experience that we were not bypassing, we were just saying, I, I can't deal with this quite yet. 
Now we come back to it more centered, more powered, more empowered, more positive, more grateful. And that will help us to deal with that thing uh, in a more graceful way. We're going to be able to see new ways around the situation because we're not focusing in on the negative of the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's one of the many ways that we can generate gratitude. I love um, playing and uh, I call it the I'm grateful for game. Yeah. Great to play when stuck in traffic. <laughs> Look around for things that you find gratitude for. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for beautiful plants. It's also uh, same with love. You can play the I love game, looking for things that you love. I started playing this game on my commute to work. There was an entire wall full of bougainvillea, beautiful, beautiful flowers. I'd never seen it before. Really? Until I started looking around for things that I was grateful for. This must have been in California. It was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm doing this for about a week, looking around. I'm, I'm uh-huh. grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for these beautiful flowers. I'd never seen them before. Hmm. Right? So, uh, so that's another way that we use gratitude as a spiritual practice. Um, but I want to I come back to Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, because it's so easy, again, to just say, oh, the title of the holiday is Thanksgiving. And then to not really put a focus on Thanksgiving, on really giving thanks, on gratitude. Um, so we've got an interesting Thanksgiving happening this year, my wife and I. I've hosted for the past three years for my family. And last year, we decided that we wanted to do something to really bring gratitude present to the Thanksgiving meal, not just everybody going around and saying one thing they're grateful for, which is a great practice, but something deeper. So I gave everybody a thank you card when they walked in the door. And, and in really? order to get dinner, they had to write the thank you card put it in the envelope, and address it. Oh, they had to write it. They had to write their own thank you card to somebody. Wow. I chose to write mine to the parents of a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, this friend is chosen family. He's like my brother. Um, and I've met his parents several times, and I, I love them, and they love me, and they love my wife, and it's just a really rich experience. So I wrote my thank you note to them just because it was present, having no idea that this year we were going to be at their house for Thanksgiving. (laughs) And yet I put out that gratitude for what a wonderful piece of my life they are. Uh And then through circumstances that happen, later today we're driving to their house and we're going to spend Thanksgiving with this dear friend of mine and his wife and our nieces and nephews, nieces and nephews, you know, chosen, and his parents, all in this wonderful celebration. That kicked off because I wrote them a thank you note at Thanksgiving last year. Interesting. Did they respond to it at the time? Absolutely. Yeah. My experience has been that it takes so little to write the note, and there's just huge gratitude in re- in return. Absolutely. People are so impressed and amazed that that you wrote something and put a stamp on it. Right, and that's that's such a great example of another thing we talk about in spirituality, that you receive as you give. You give as you receive, right? Mm-hmm. So to give that gratitude, to write that thank you note, first and foremost, that gratitude has to be in you. You have to feel that gratitude for yourself before you can put it on the note. You put it in the note, it gets sent out, then those people who receive the thank you card feel grateful. They get such a warm, wonderful, loving experience because you sent them this note of gratitude. And then they may write back and say, oh my God, I just, I got your note. I really needed to hear that. That was just so out of the blue and so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then that gratitude comes back at you again. It's generative. It 
generates more of itself. It has to come through us to, or in order to be given to somebody else. So we feel it, we create it, we generate it, it goes out, it comes back in this ever wonderful increasing cycle when we engage in it as a spiritual practice. Instead of falling into it on the third Thursday in November or whenever circumstances align magnificently perfectly. Right. So we had a couple of minutes left. One of the things I hear in New Thought, and I've actually said this myself, is you don't have to be grateful for anything. Mm-hmm. You can just be in a state of gratitude. Yes. Do you agree? Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Being grateful for four, th- four things is a wonderful technique to get us into that state of gratitude. But we can absolutely just be in a state of gratitude without really having to have things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's subtle. It's a more... It's really hard to explain how to do that without getting into the fours, right? Because languaging around gratitude and four is so prevalent. Um, But yeah, you know, there are times, uh, we've all had the experience where gratitude just comes upon us, right? Where we're not thinking about anything in particular, we're not focusing on anything. Maybe it's just we're sitting and it's a nice day and we're just enjoying the day. And all of a sudden that feeling of gratitude pops in. It's not that we're grateful for the day. I mean, we are grateful for the day. But being in that beautiful experience just connects us to the gratitude that we already are. And so while we can be grateful for things, and that's a wonderful way to do it, it comes back to if we weren't already gratitude, we couldn't experience gratitude. If it wasn't already in there, if it wasn't already part of who we are, we couldn't have that experience. So it's more about turning ourselves to what is already there to our divine nature that lets us experience gratitude without being grateful for things. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And it's a deep practice. It definitely takes a lot of work. Yes. So church-free spirituality technically could be done even if you go to church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, if you have a church that you love and you want to deepen your spiritual practice in the church, Great. Find all the resources in the church. If you want to stay in that church and get a little bit of a spiritual twist to it, get the book. Look at how (laughs) you can look at your own, you know, within your own religion. How does your religion define Jesus? Does that work for you? Do you want to stay in your religion but tweak it a little bit? Mm -hmm. Great. Go for it. Does your religion um, not teach meditation? Bring up your own spiritual practice. Find your own way. Well, we'll have a lot more to talk about with Ben Jameson. He's here for the next three weeks as well. We've been talking about his book, Church-Free Spirituality. You can learn a lot more about him and watch his videos at benjameson.com. So I'm Ellen Devonport. We'll be back next week with Voices of Unity. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. 
Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.